Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Mission, Mission Summit 2018 across the street and around the world, from Toledo to Metro Detroit, to the Caribbean, to Albania, to West Africa, to Jordan, in the Middle East, to Laos, and to China, Calvary Church has hosted uh, missionaries from nine regions of the world, and it's been a great, great week. A mission summit in the life of a church is important because it's important for us to stop from the busyness of even the church work for a moment to think about um, life beyond the four corners of our world. You see, we gain perspective as a church and as members of the body of Christ when we consider our role in the fulfillment of the Great Commission. The Great Commission, Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we read the words of Jesus. He says, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And then I'm going to add across the street and around the world. So how should we respond to the Great Commission after a week like we've had? In my opinion, the best response for all of us is to make a commitment to be all in. All in. Uh, Matthew West has written a song called All In. Listen to a few words of, of this song. All to you, Jesus, I freely give. As long as there's breath in my lungs, I will live. With reckless abandon, my heart in your hands, I surrender it all, I'm going all in. You see, we can make a difference across the street and around the world when we are all in for missions. And so uh, the question that we want to ask today is why should we be involved in missions? Why should you be involved in missions? Five answers to that question. Let me give those to you today. First of all, uh, because Jesus told us to. Simple obedience. Why should we be involved in missions? Because Jesus told us to. If you're a parent, it's always a joy when you ask your child to do something and they respond, yes, mom, yes, dad, uh, just by obeying. Uh, that's enlightening, isn't it? And as children of the living God, God wants us to obey him. Luke chapter 24, uh, look at verse 45, we read, Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You see in this passage, Christ himself institutes Christian missions as a primary and mandatory task of the church. The marching order of the church is the great commission, not the great suggestion. We can come up with many valid biblical reasons why it is imperative that you and I, the church, be fully engaged in missions across the street and around the world. But the truth of the matter is that we need, to, uh, we need no further biblical basis besides the simple fact 
the simple truth that God has told us to. Hudson Taylor once said, the Great Commission is not an option to be considered. It is a command to be obeyed. Secondly, why should we be involved in missions? Because we are in debt to the nations. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 1, verse 14, he says, I'm obligated both to the Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. You see, the Apostle Paul, he had a different perspective on missions. He challenges his readers in this passage that we owe a debt to every lost person on the face of the earth. You see, because Paul is owned by Christ, he owes Christ to the world. This was, uh, there was no beginning and ending points on the scale of who Paul felt obligated to reach and to teach about the love of Christ. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. We owe Christ to the world. But how do we do this? By being all in as we pray, as we give, and as we go. Eric Simmons says, don't settle for the, the American dream when God is offering you the Great Commission. Amen? Amen? Thirdly, why should we be involved in missions? Because involvement in missions makes us more like Jesus. Who wants to be more like Christ? Then we involve ourselves in missions. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You see, our natural bent is to be consumed with self. Me, me, and very good. What's in it for me? What about my needs? How can I be happy? It is an unchangeable principle of the kingdom that as we lay our life down, we discover a quality of life that we never would experience otherwise. As we put Christ first, others second, ourselves last, then we can truly, truly live. If we are all in, we'll begin to understand this principle, C.T. Studd said, if Jesus be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Fourthly, why should we be involved in missions? Because the task is still unfinished. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We heard this uh, last week from some of our missionary guests. There are still entire people groups, 
hundreds and thousands of them, representing billions of people who have never one time heard the message of Jesus Christ. The vast majority of which had no Christian among them, no Bible in their language, and no access to the gospel. Listen to what uh, Oswald J. Smith says. Kind of a stern statement, but he once said, No one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone who has not heard it once. And then finally, why should we be involved in missions? Because we desire to increase the glory of God. We desire to increase the glory of God. Revelation chapter 5, verse 13. Then I heard every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them singing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. John Piper has a unique uh, illustration regarding uh, this, uh, this uh, uh, point number five here. He says, missions is not the ultimate goal of the church. Worship is. Missions exist because worship doesn't. Worship is ultimate, not missions. When this age is over and the countless millions of the redeemed fall on their knees before the throne of God, missions will be no more. Missions is a temporary necessity. Worship abides forever. And what he really means here, you see on the screen, is worship is a goal of missions because we aim to bring the nations into the enjoyment of God's greatness and his glory. To sum it up, the best way to describe what John Piper is saying here is missions exist to grow the global choir. I like that. Isn't that cool? Worship exists to grow the global choir, to reach people from every tribe and language so that all people can worship him. This is why you and I should be all in. This is why you and I should be involved in missions. Uh, one way that we uh, are involved in missions here at Calvary is that we pray. We pray for our missionaries, 170 of them that we partner with every month. They absolutely need our finances, but most importantly, they need you and I, the body of Christ, to pray for them. And many times when a missionary comes, we direct you to their table. And at their table, they have what they call prayer cards. And a prayer card is a picture of them, and it gives you their name and some information about them so you can pray. This past week, one of our missionary guests came to me on Friday night at the end of the week, and he was so excited. Uh, he was our missionary guest from Southeast Asia. He said, look, the box where I put all my prayer cards, they're all gone. They've, Calvary has taken all the prayer cards. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, he was so excited. I was so excited. So please make uh, praying for our missionaries a daily priority in your prayer time. You know, I've been asked off and on, Pastor Bill, where did you get your passion for missions? And very simply, I just, I just kind of have always thought it was just the way, you know, that I was raised. I was raised in the pastor's home, and my dad would have missionaries come and speak, 
and they would often stay in our home and eat around our, our dining room table. And, um, but it really, I, as I began to think through this, I realized that my passion for missions began uh, in 1987. In 1987, Calvary Church was worshiping on Glendale Avenue. And uh, at that time, we didn't have a sanctuary. We had a gymnasium that we were worshiping in. And we sat in plastic folding chairs. Some of you remember those. And uh, in 1987, Calvary Church hosted their first missions summit. So from Sunday to Sunday, we had, much like this week, we had different missions events so that we could learn and grow and understand about missions so that we could uh, uh, encourage the missionary guests that were there. And that was my first mission summit. And I attended all the events that week, and I sat around the table uh, with a meal, and I talked to missionaries. I heard their stories. I heard about their call of God upon their lives and why they were serving as a missionary. I would sit in services and listen to uh, the speakers and the different challenges that were given. And uh, uh, at, one, at one point in time, I thought I was being called to be a missionary. In fact, I remember holding on to that plastic folding chair because when they asked, is there anyone here who wants to be a missionary, I felt like maybe I should go and I was holding on tight, you know, because I didn't know if I wanted to make that commitment. But at some point, God spoke to my heart and he said, I've not called you to be a missionary. Good. (laughs) But I've called you um, to be passionate about the Great Commission. I've called you then to share that passion with the church so that the church can move forward in their role in the Great Commission as we pray, as we give, and as we go. You know, my passion for missions began here because Calvary has always been a missions church, and I am so grateful for that. My praying and my giving and my going has been impacted. I am so eternally grateful. But let me challenge you. You've chosen to be an attendee or a member of Calvary Church. We're thrilled that you're here. Uh, We're thrilled that you're actively involved in attending. But don't take for granted what you hear on a regular basis regarding missions. You're here in a missions-supporting church for a reason. God wants you to be involved in missions. God wants you to pray and to give and to go. Don't take this responsibility for granted. We all have a role in this great, great commission. I'm going to ask Pastor Chad and Leah Loran to come at this time, and they're going to share some more. We're going to talk some more about our role in fulfilling uh, the great commission. You know, Pastor Bill, you talk about the fact Calvary is 67 years old uh, this December and has always been a missions church. That's always been at, at the heart of who we are, and we believe that that's at God's heart for us to reach the nations. And so as a church, we have always been a missions church. But I can tell you I'm thankful that these last few years, this last season under Pastor Bill's leadership, our missions ministry has been as effective as it's ever been and more so. And so, Pastor Bill, I know this is a season of transition for your family. We've talked about that as you're preparing at the end of the year for your new assignment in, in Dumas, Arkansas. But we want to say thank you for your leadership in, uh, in Calvary Missions. Absolutely. And uh, with Pastor Bill's transition, then we're done with missions. <laughs> but that's the question, right? That's what people say. What do we do? What do we do? 
And so how do we continue to allow it to be a passion for our heart? And, and today, we want it to kind of be a, a little bit almost of a, of a passing of the baton, if you will. And, and many of you know Leah Loran, who serves as our serve director. And for the last four years, is that what you said? Wow, four years has helped us to love the 419. And in Pastor Bill's transition, Leah is going to be leading not just our local missions efforts, but our global missions efforts. And we're not just going to love our area code. We're going to love all the area codes. And uh, Leah is going to lead us in doing that. And so, Leah, we are excited to have you kind of this passing the baton. And it's really significant, as you'll share today um, in, in the connection and in your history here at Calvary. Can you tell us, though, Pastor Bill, you talked to us today about being all in. Leah, your story is really growing up here in Northwest Ohio, being all in, the crazy roads that God took you down, and then back here to lead us as we do our best to impact the world. So Leah, would you share a little bit of your all in story with us today? Yes, how you couldn't get rid of me. I would love to share that yeah. story. <laughs> I do love sharing my story because it shows how a normal girl from... Toledo, Ohio, uh, was all in and how God has used me and the journey that he has taken me on. And so if you can imagine with me, uh, imagine high school Leah, which was like, you know, 10 years ago or so. Um, and just think back to high school and people start asking you those questions. What are you going to do with the rest of your life? Who are you going to be when you grow up? And I hated that question so much because I had no answer. I wanted an answer, but I did not know what I was going to do with my life. I prayed about it, and I thought about it, and I dreamed about it, and I just did not feel like I knew what God was calling me to do. Um, I grew up with Pastor Bill as my youth pastor, and so we would have youth services uh, where we'd you know, worship and have a message, and then we'd have altar time afterwards. We'd pray, and I'd stand there and be like, Jesus, please, I just want to know what I'm supposed to do, and inevitably... The kid on this side of me would say later that night, oh, he's called me to be a pastor. I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, what? I was right here. I was so close. So the next Wednesday, I would mosey over to the good spot, you know, <laughs> hope that that would be the night I would hear from God. And for, for a long time, I was getting very frustrated because I did not want to mess up my life. You know, you don't want to mess up. And so I wanted to make sure that I made the right choice. Um, but people kept asking, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? So I just started saying, business, I'm going to go into business, because it, it let them stop asking me the questions. I was no closer to knowing what I was going to do. And then I went to Owens, um, and I remember going like the first day you meet with your counselor person, and they're like, all right, so uh, what will your major be? And I was like, oh, um, business. I've been telling people that, so I guess I should follow through. And so I went to school. Um, and when my two years was finished, I wanted to take a break. I don't love school, although stay in school, it's good kids. Um, but I wanted to take a break, and I didn't want to just, you know, hang out in my parents' basement for a year. So I looked around, and I found an organization called One Hope. And One Hope uh, was a missions organization that went around the world. And so I prayed about it. I put out my fleeces to God and said, Lord, if this is where you want me to go, if this is what you want me to do, you know, let me know. And so I felt like I had heard from the Lord that that was where I was supposed to go. So I signed up to give a year of my life. And I don't think we had any idea what we were getting me into. Um, I remember calling home and saying to my mom, Mom, I don't, I don't think we knew. I'd grown up in church my whole life. 
but we had only been at Calvary since like the middle of the 90s. And when we started coming to Calvary was when my family started to understand the passion of missions and the importance of missions and how we could be involved personally by going on trips or by giving and by praying. And so when you go to a missions organization that is taking people around the world to tell others about Jesus, all of a sudden your worldview is like explodes. I heard of countries I didn't even know of. I was really proud at one of our meals with the missionary. The one missionary said that he's been working in Suriname a lot lately. And he said, has anyone heard of Suriname? And I was like, oh, I've been there. And he was like, you've been there? I said, I had. When they told me to go there, I had no idea where it was. And so when you're being taken to all these countries, you start realizing how big this missional thing is that God is doing around the world. And so I spent a year with One Hope. And in my first year, we were in Poland at one point, and I re- we had a day of praying and fasting, and I was praying, and I was praying the same old question. God, what do you want me to do with my life? Because I know I'm doing missions right now, but it was only a year, and soon enough, I'd be back in Toledo, and you guys would all be asking me the same questions. What are you going to do when you grow up, Leah? And so I said, I still need to know what I'm supposed to do. And I remember praying, and this is what God said to me. He said, you are to serve where you are. And I said, oh, man, that's not a good one, God. Like, that's not a good one. People are going to think I made it up. They're literally going to think that I'm making up this call from you because it sounds so generic. And um, I said, okay, I wrote it down. And I said, this is what you say, but I hope no one asks me because it sounds like I'm making it up. And a couple of months later, I was in another country just reading, and I, the Lord took me to 1 Corinthians uh, 15, 58. And it says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. And it just really confirmed in my heart that what God was saying was, in fact, a good life calling to serve wherever I am. And so I have tried my hardest since that day to always serve wherever the Lord has placed me. And I've been in many locations and moved around a lot, and I don't do it perfect, but I try really hard to learn how to serve in the place that I am. And so I finished my first year with One Hope, and I came back to Toledo, and I really struggled to kind of get reconnected at home. Um, I did not feel like I was kind of fitting in or finding my groove. And so it took a while, but I got a job that I did not love, but it was a job. And I was coming to church and I was serving with our young adults um, department at that time and just helping whatever ways that I could. And I finally kind of got my group of friends and I said, okay, like I can do Toledo. This is good. I'm back in my place. And then one hope called. And they said, hey, do you want to come on staff and move back to Florida? And I was like, oh, Jesus, are you kidding me? Like, I just figured out what I was doing with my life. And now this new door is opening. And so I'm back into this having to make a hard decision and having to make a choice. And both of them were great options. Stay here, serve with your church, love your community, or go do missions work around the world. Both of them have equal importance and are great opportunities but I did not know what to do. And like every good Christian, I made my pro and con list, you know, and they equaled out evenly, of course, you know, because that's how it works out. And so I made a meeting with a very wise man. Some of you call him general. Some of you call him Pastor Clay. But Pastor Clay was our pastor back then, and I went to him and said, Pastor Clay, I don't know what to do. Should I stay in Toledo? Should I go back to One Hope? Please, please, please help me. And I think at that point in my life, I just wanted an answer. It could have been from him, God, Pastor Bill, like really anyone. I didn't care anymore. I just wanted someone to tell me what was the right thing to do. And he looked at me and he said, well, I think you have a yellow light. 
And this was some of the best advice I've ever received. It changed my relationship with the Lord. He said, you know, sometimes the Lord gives us yellow lights. It's not a red light and it's not a green light. And you get to choose what you want to do. Kind of like those pick your own adventure books. Remember those? And I thought, well, this is not the answer I was looking for. I just want someone to tell me what to do. And so being told that we get to pick was both freeing and terrifying at the same time. It's freeing because I am so thankful that we serve a God that gives us dreams and gives us desires and passions, and then we get to function in those, and we get to serve him through those things. But it's completely terrifying because it means I have to do something. I don't get to just sit on my couch and wait till he, like, throws me into another country. I have to, like, get up and put action to my steps, and I have to start making a move and know that he will follow me and meet me in those things. It's kind of like when we're driving. If you're here at Calvary at night and you're going home, you get in your car, you turn on the lights, and the lights only show you so far. They don't like shine a path all the way to your house. And so you have to have faith that the lights will keep working and start driving a little bit, and then the lights shine a little bit further, and then you drive a little bit more, and the lights shine a little bit further, and the next thing you know, you're home. But that's how God is with us when he's telling us the things that he's calling us to do. He'll show us part of it, and then we have to step into that and have faith about that. And he'll show us the next step and the next step and the next step. I think if he showed us the whole picture, many of us would say, uh, I'm okay, thanks, <laughs> thanks. If you would have told me uh, after high school that I would be standing on a stage or leading people through missions like this, I would have said, I'm okay, I can't do that. But God knows to only give us a small part of the picture at a time. When I was a missionary, I would have lots of different short-term trips, uh, teams from other churches that would come and meet and work with me. And they would always ask me, like, how did you become a missionary? And I'd always say, oh, it was an accident. Like, I did not. This was not the plan. But it was not an accident for God. He knew exactly what he was doing. And step by step, we walked that way. Psalms 48:14 says, for this is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever, and he will guide us until we die. It doesn't say that he'll tell us everything. It just says that he'll guide us. And so telling me that at 2001, I decided that I would go back to One Hope. And so I left again and moved back to Florida. I don't know what I was thinking. I, didn't, I don't remember being on the airplane and like looking at Toledo out the window like, goodbye, Toledo, I'll never see you again. I think I just thought I would go for another year and then I would come back home. Um, but over a decade later of working at One Hope, sharing God's word with hundreds of thousands of children and youth, working and living in 35 countries, flying on a lot of flights, and never losing one bag, which is a miracle, I had an amazing experience and can easily say that God has planned something far better for all of us than we can ever imagine. And our role is to listen and obey, and then he does the rest. We don't get to decide what that outcome is going to be. And so my time at One Hope, it looked very differently, uh, very different throughout the years. Um, at the beginning, I lived in Florida. I worked in our main office. I helped do all kinds of like organizing and training and sending people. I would travel from time to time. And then in 2006, I really felt like the Lord was starting to stir my heart again. And I felt like there was a change coming. I kind of thought it was coming back to Toledo. So I kept trying to like come back home. Um, but I ended up in South Africa for seven years, which is not Toledo, very different. And so through a series of conversations and just promptings from the Lord, I ended up with One Hope working in South Africa for seven years. 
During my time in South Africa, I was able to be a part of all kinds of ministry, uh, but some of my favorite ones were helping to run our Leadership Academy, which trained high school students in how to be leaders, teaching them Christian leadership skills, and then challenging them to go into their communities and to do community work that would bring betterment to their area. And then I started a school for young adults to teach them how to love their community in practical ways and show Jesus through that. I remember having a conversation with a pastor once and I asked him, uh, pastor, what's your favorite way to like minister, to like witness to people in your community? And he said, well, at 4 a.m., I go into the church, I turn up all the speakers as loud as I can and I point them out the windows and I start preaching. And I was like, but everyone's sleeping, that's so crazy. And he goes, no, they all wake up because it's so loud, they have to listen to me. And I was like, oh my goodness, have you ever thought about like just like being kind and loving? And so I would work with these young adults and teach them about how we can love you know, others and show them Christ through like tangible ways. And then one of my favorite things to do would to host our, serve, or our teams that would come from other churches, uh, people that would come for a 10-day trip. I'd get to organize all their ministry and host them while they were there. Um, and those are amazing experiences because I would get to see firsthand people who'd maybe never left the country. I would not, cannot tell you how many times people got there and said, I never flew, flew before. Was that an airplane? Came all the way to South Africa, and I thought, whoa, you really trusted God. But to see God work in those people's lives as they gave simply 10 days to not only change the world that they were working in, but to change their own, their own world. Um, I want to show you my favorite picture from South Africa from my seven years there. It's not an elephant, and it's not a zebra, although those are all really good pictures. But this is a good picture. Aren't we, aren't we good looking? Pastor Bill, you look really good in that picture. So the, the cool part for this photo is we're about to get on a vehicle, like an open air vehicle, and I'm about to take them out and show them elephants and lions and all those kind of cool things. But the really cool part about this picture is that this is me as a missionary getting to have Pastor Bill come and be on a 10-day team that I was helping him lead. And what a cool opportunity for, to, for me to be on that side of it, to get to experience Calvary coming. My last two years, Calvary brought four different teams to come and work with me. Uh, and that was quite an experience of my two worlds colliding, having a bunch of Toledo people in South Africa. It's kind of surreal. Um, but I'm so honored that I got to do that with you guys and got to help Pastor Bill with his teams. But I want to show you a picture of where it all started. So that was the first picture. Then this is where it all started. 1997. This is a group of us, our youth group here at Calvary, going to Germany. And there's Pastor Bill. There's me. He's taken us to Germany. A bunch of crazy kids. Pastor Bill, you look better now than you ever did. <laughs> Looking good. With our holy Toledo shirts. And that is a, the trip that planted the seed in my life. Pastor Bill took me to, to Germany, and I actually did the math the other day. And you were about the same age that when you took me to Germany that I was when I took you to South Africa. How's that for God's timing, huh? And so what a cool opportunity to have that seed planted in my life. I am so thankful that I have grown up in a church that is passionate about missions and that because of that passion was able to invest in my life and many other people's lives. It would not, I would not have taken this path if it wasn't for a church that was able to not only let us experience missions here in Toledo, but also around the world. And so that is why we do short-term trips because kids like me go on a short-term trip and then we say we'll be all in and God changes our life and then allows us to make a difference around the world. Uh, this year, we're going to have some amazing short-term trips. And the card that you received when you came in this morning has those trips listed on there. 
I would love for you to consider joining us, not because we need more people, but because I know that God can do a work in your life. And so I want to just tell you quickly about each of those opportunities. In March, we'll be going back to my South Africa, and we're going to be working in a community a couple hours north of where I lived. The king there is the king of the Venda tribe, and he's invited my friends and ourselves to come in, and he's asked, would you please come and tell the 400,000 kids that live in my kingdom about the true king? And so we have a chance to go in and help to teach them about Christ. And then in June, we're going to go to Peru and work with our friends Chris and Debbie Bowser as they continue to expand the ministry that we're doing. And so that will be a construction trip that we can help to build them some new facilities for the work that's taking place there. And then in the fall, we'll be heading to Portugal with One Hope. One Hope's mission is that every child in the world would have a copy of God's word. And so we get a chance to work in schools and to work in orphanages to tell kids about Jesus and to leave them with their very own copy of God's word. And you can't do much better than that. So I'd invite you, if you are interested in these trips, please stop by the hub. We have a paper that you can just sign up for information. It's not agreeing to go on a trip, but just get more information. And we'll be able to, in the next few weeks, tell you the more details about dates and costs and things like that. But we would love for you to join us as we do those things. These past four years at Calvary have been an amazing journey um, of work as we learn to love the 419. And I'm so honored and excited to be able to add the rest of the world to my role. Pastor Bill and Pastor Chad, this is always the part that gets me. <laughs> Thank you so much for believing in a kid as I traveled the world and then inviting me to come back and help you love the 419. Let's watch the screens. Odds are different people have different responses to the, to the things that we've talked about today. And for some of you, when we talk about missions, Pastor Bill challenges be all in. And you go, I am. It's, it's a part of your life and your faith and your, your, your practice. For some of us, it's something that we, we know about. We're, we're very positive towards it, but uh, we're, we're not quite sure what our role is in it. And then for others of us, I think there's probably some of us who even we talk about missions and, and there may even be a, a sense inside of us where we kind of go, where do we get off thinking that we have the answer for the rest of the world? Like, why, why do we think that we're the ones who have to go and do this? Why, why are we so passionate as a church and, and ultimately as Christians about this idea of taking the news about Jesus to everybody, everywhere. Well, it comes because of where we started today when Pastor Bill talked about the Great Commission. We, we use that term, the Great Commission, to talk about a couple of passages in Scripture where Jesus said to those who were his disciples, those who were following him, that they were to go and take that good news to other people. One of them is Mark chapter 16, which Pastor Bill read to us earlier. I want to take just a few minutes as we wrap up here at the end and talk about Matthew chapter 28, which is also referred to as the Great Commission. So if you have your Bible, turn there with me real quick. We're, we're just going to look at this quickly. This passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 28, such a unique week for us as we've had missionary guests from nine different regions of the world, people who have shared their stories with us. We've talked about this subject why does it matter? Why are we called to be all in? Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Let's start with this passage. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, that's important, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This is interesting. You've got the eleven disciples who are left, who, are, who were followers of Jesus, and their whole world has changed, right? Because what they had known is that they were following Jesus, and now he has died and they thought they'd lost everything. Then he was resurrected and he came back and their head's still spinning trying to figure out what's going on here. How did he die and then come back? What does he want us to do? And somewhere along the lines, and we see this, if you'd, if you'd read the, the last few chapters before this in Matthew 
you, you'd see that somewhere along the lines, Jesus had said, look, fellas, if we ever get split up, let's find a, let's find a point where we can meet again. How about this mountain in Galilee, which is interesting because when Jesus died, they weren't in Galilee. They were to the south in Jerusalem. And he said, so we're going to meet back up in Galilee, where most of us were from. That was kind of the home area where they came from. Let's go back up to Galilee, and we'll meet up on this one mountain. Have you ever done that with your family? Like I said, look, if we get separated, let's come back to this meeting point. Anybody? Like we used to do that. I remember when I would go to Cedar Point, that if we would get split up, we had a, a part that we would go back to. And it was like, hey, look, if we get split up, then at this time, let's meet at the demon drop. Does anybody remember the demon drop? Probably not the best place for Christian kids to meet up, right? Let's go to the demon drop. But when you're talking about missions, what do you want to do? Drop them demons. So it's not a bad, you know. So Jesus said to the team, he said, hey, guys, we get split up. Let's go back to Galilee. Let's meet at the demon drop. Like that was the idea, right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. He says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You ever, you ever known anybody who walks in a room and right away, first words out of their mouth, I'm in charge here. You ever heard anybody say that? You're like, show off. But that's what Jesus does. Like they show up and they hook up on the mountain and Jesus says, I'm in charge here. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Is he showing off? Like, is that a pride statement? Because it's, it's definitely true, right? It's not that he's not in charge. All authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. He's in charge of everything. Why does he say that? Because he's trying to bolster his ego? No, 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 no. I don't think he says that there for him. He says that for them because he wants them to understand something about what he's going to say in the next verse. But get this. He says, look, all authority, heaven and earth, it belongs to me, period. Let's say somebody gave you a project. They said, hey, I need you to do something for me. I need you to go to the hardware store, and I need you to pick up these supplies because I need you to build this thing for me. So they give you a list, and you got to get the building materials, and you got to get the wood and the screws and the nails and probably some tools to be able to do it, maybe some plans to be able to know what you're doing, and maybe talk to some experts. And you go to the hardware store. You get everything you need. You got it all loaded up on your carts. And on your way out, you get to that door to leave, and you just kind of wave at the cashier. Are they going to be okay with that? No, they're going to say, hey, come back here and pay for that. But what if the person who had asked you to build that is actually the person who owns the hardware store? Like, it's already their stuff. It all belongs to them. So when they say to you, whoa, 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 you can't do that, what do you say? Oh, no, wait, the person who asked me to do this has the authority over all of this. And so who I work for is not for myself. I work for them, and it all belongs to them already. So when Jesus says, look, I have all authority, what he's saying here is there's nobody else who can tell you what to do. There's nobody else who can tell you where you need to go and where you need to stop and, and put limits on your life. Realize this. We serve in the power of God's authority and not our own. It all belongs to him. It's his kingdom. We trust him. And so Jesus starts his, 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 his uh, message to the disciples here, and he says to them, look, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me, and that's important because of what he says next. Look at verse 19. He says, therefore, because everything belongs to me, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He says, all nations. Nobody's left out. 
You got to understand what a big deal that was for those 11 to hear. Because these were good Jewish boys who lived in Israel. Odds are they had never left Israel. Odds are they didn't know a whole lot of people who weren't Jewish. There were very few things that they would do that, that, that would be outside of their Jewish traditions. Now Jesus is saying, look, this message isn't just for people like us. It's for all people, every nation. They need to know about his death and how he died to forgive their sins. They need to know about his resurrection, about how he came to life again and conquered death and hell and the grave. They need to know about the life that he can bring to them that's available to them, that's not just available to us, but to every person in the world. Please, this is important to understand. This is why missions matters, because Jesus said that every nation and every language and every tribe and every people group and every person has the right to hear the message. The gospel is for everyone everywhere. It's for their lives to be changed. That's why we talk about being all in not just across the street, but around the world. It's for everybody. And then he says to them, I want you to go. We call this the Great Commission because it wasn't just for those 11 people 2,000 years ago. It's for us. Like It's a commission that's to every single one of us to go. What does that mean? Well, the Great Commission is a call to do things you have never done. This is exactly what he was saying to the disciples. They'd, they'd never left Israel. They'd never interacted with people of all nations. And Jesus says to them, I want you to go and do this. He's saying, look, I'm calling you to do things you have never done. There are some of you that for you to do something new, for you to face change, for you to take any kind of step outside of your comfort zone is a very difficult thing. And I'm challenging you on this mission Sunday to be willing to do something that you've never done before. Because if you don't, there may be people who will never hear the good news about Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of you who's like, oh, I love missions. I think missions is awesome. But what has your role been in, in fulfilling the Great Commission? Let, let's go back to the analogy from a few minutes ago about you're, you're building something. Let's say you have all the tools and you have all the wood and you have all the, the research done. You've watched all the YouTube videos. Anybody thankful for YouTube videos? Man, as a homeowner, how many times have I been underneath my sink Googling something, right? How do you do that? You've watched all the videos, you've talked to experts, but if you never actually take a piece of wood, measure it and cut it, if you never use the saw or use the drill or use the hammer, you're not building anything. You're just collecting stuff that's not making a difference. Look, God has called us to do things that maybe we've never done before. I'm calling you to be obedient to the Great Commission that was a challenge to the disciples 2,000 years ago, but it's a challenge to you today. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone and to see the world in a way that may be difficult for us to see because of our background or our politics or our experience, but to see people through God's lens and how much he loves them and how much he wants them to know his grace and his peace and his life. The Great Commission will call you to do things you've never done. And the Great Commission is a call to give in ways you have never given. It's a call to sacrifice. Jesus stood on that mountain with those 11 and said, you go into all the world. That meant leaving home and family. That meant setting aside their occupations and maybe even some of their dreams. 
Look, there is inherent in this idea of missions a sacrifice. And in one way or another, if you're going to be faithful, and we've all been called to be faithful to this great commission, it's going to cost you something. There's a whole new world for these disciples. They were no longer just a group of guys who were following some itinerant preacher who, who did miracles. Now they were a bunch of renegades who were at outs with the establishment. And they were being told that they had to stop. And they said, we can't stop until every person has heard the difference that is made in life when you put your hope and your faith in the name of Jesus Christ. But missions is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some time. Pastor Bill talked about praying. In fact, when we talk about encouraging you to be a part of what's happening here at Calvary and missions, there's three things we ask you to consider. How will you pray? How will you give? How will you go? For some of you, it may cost you some time. I want to challenge you that, that if you're going to do your part to help fulfill the Great Commission, it may cost you some of your resources. Look, we don't often talk about money a whole lot in a way where we ask you to give, but I, I would challenge you just to pray about this and say, God, how can I help to do this? Because as you can imagine, for people to go and do missions, it costs something. Ministry requires money. There's over 100 ministries and missionaries that every month we support as a church. And many of you are so faithful to give in that way. And maybe if you're not giving, I would challenge you to say, God, how would you have for me to give, to be a part of this, to see this move forward? And giving is a sacrifice. Missions is a sacrifice. Realize that when it costs us something, it always costs something for us to see something significant happen in our lives or the lives of others. And it's a thrill to hear what happens in missions. I mean, one of our guests that was here this week was talking to us about his experience as a missionary. Man, I could have I sat there and listened to him talk all day. Telling stories about people who at one point were parts of other religions that were very opposed to the, the news of Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit changed them. And when they were changed, man, they began to tell other people and they became evangelists and they became pastors. And they would go back to their community and tell somebody who told somebody who told somebody. And whole communities changed because of the good news of Jesus Christ. And they were telling these stories and it was so exciting to hear. And then he said, but wait. He said, don't forget that all this comes with a cost. Because that guy I told you about who became an evangelist and his pastor, his wife told him, I can't do this and I'm leaving you. His parents said, don't come back. And he told us stories about people that to follow Jesus, it cost them something. Look, missions is a sacrifice. And I'm asking you because of the great commission to do things you've never done, to give in ways you've never given and the Great Commission is a call to go places you've never been. This is uh, really interesting. We talked about the fact that, that they went from Jerusalem, there, that verse 16 when we started, back up to Galilee, back up to their hometown, which is really unique when they went there. I, I've been privileged twice in my life to be able to go and to see this, to stand on, on these mountains in Galilee. It's a beautiful place. We're going to take a group from Calvary on a tour of the Holy Land again in March of 2020. If you've ever wanted to go, I would encourage you. We'll, we'll talk more about this in the future. There's some little cards at the hub that you can pick up, but we're going to do this in March of 2020. It's a beautiful place. I've stood there, and there is these trade routes that would go through that part of the world because they didn't have air travel. They didn't have the, the transportation tools that we have today. So they had these certain roads 
where they would take from like city to city, kingdom to kingdom, empire to empire, goods that would, would be traded and would go down these roads. One of them was called the Via Maris or the way of the sea. And it started way down in Egypt and then would work its way up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and, and then work its way through Israel and then up into Damascus in Syria where it would pick up other key trade routes. This was a major road in that time and, and it connected the world from Egypt up to Syria. Now you know that the nation of Israel has always been in conflict. There's always been an area that's hotly contested. Well, that's the reason why, because there's always been these trade routes. It's always been in such a significant location there. And whoever controlled those roads would control the trade, which is a big deal. Does that make sense? So understand this, there's this road called the Via Maris. It's really interesting. Starts in Egypt, works it way up the Mediterranean coast. And then when it gets into Israel, at some point it makes this right turn and it goes east. So it's able to go up to Damascus. Do you know where it does this? Right in the midst of the mountains of Galilee. It's a natural road that's there. In fact, I've stood on one of these mountains where the guide points out at a highway that's there today and says, in ancient times, that highway that you see was the Via Maris. It was the way of the sea. It was the main road that connected key points in the world. And I can't help but think that when Jesus stood there with those 11 disciples and he said, hey, you go into all the world. The road of the world was right there in front of them. They could see it. And Jesus said, that road will take you places where you've never been before. It'll challenge you to give in ways you've never given before. You're called to do things you've never done before. But Jesus says to the disciples, I'm calling you. Jesus says to you, disciple, I'm calling you. I'm calling you to do something visible. That road was right there in front of them. And for some of you, God has put something this week or because of missions visibly in your heart, something that you know that he wants for you to do, an area of need that you've seen that you want to move into. Sometimes it's visible. Sometimes it's invisible. Sometimes it's just this stirring. Some of you maybe met a missionary this last week or heard somebody who spoke last Sunday. And there's something inside of you that's a connection where you want to do something more for that person. That's a call for you to pray for them. And as you do, believe that as you pray, God is going to do something amazing. I've got a friend that God just dropped in his heart just a place. Pray for this place. And he started to pray for that place, which then led to opportunities for him to make a difference in that place. And just now, there's even big things that are going to happen where there are going to be people who are going to find out about Jesus in that place because he just began by praying. When God stirs that invisible thing inside of you, be willing to pray. For some of you, God's speaking to you about giving. You know, we, we've given you today this card when you came in. This, this card is not for us. This card's for you. In fact, it's just a little reminder to be able to look at how you can respond to what we're talking about here today. Maybe you want to be involved in praying. Well, there's an email here that you can respond to, and we'll send you a list of missionary prayer requests from time to time so that you can join us in praying. This may be a moment where as you look at this, God stirs in your heart and encourages you to give in some way, maybe in a monthly way, to missions so that God can use you. And for some of you, God's calling you to go. When Leah was just talking about those missions trips, man, you felt it in your gut. And you don't know even how to explain it. You're not sure what trip. You just know that, that there's this feeling of, I need to do that. I hear it every time we plan one. If God's put that in your heart, then don't ignore it. And I'm also confident of this. 
Some of you, what God's speaking to you is not just about going on a one-week trip. God's asking you to give so much more. He's stirring in you to give your life. Maybe for a year, maybe for a season, maybe for your lifetime. They say, God, I, I will go and I will serve you. And I'll do and I'll give and I'll go in ways. Like Leah said, maybe you never thought possible. There is something very real called the call of God that God puts in our lives. And some of you, there's a stirring in you. You're sensing that right now. And any time that we go to do something we've never done before, it's a stretch. And we start asking, well, if I, if I give and do in a way that I've never done before, what about what I might lose? What if I, what if I lose some time? What if I give some resource that I actually really need? And what if I were to go and do something and things were to fall apart at home? Or what if I were to leave? Or what if, what if we start asking all those questions and whether it's our jaded spirits or whether it's fear or it's doubt or uncertainty comes in and we start to talk ourselves out of it. Here's what Jesus says. Go back to the Great Commission, right? Matthew 28, 19. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. And then he says this, verse 20. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says to his team on that mountain in Galilee, I want you to go and do something you've never done before. And don't forget, guys, I got your back. I'm with you to the very end. When Jesus asks you to go across the street or around the world, remember this. The great commission comes with great confidence. He's there with you. He'll always be with you. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would, please. Would you just hold this card in your hand? We're going we're gonna to sing a prayer here in just a moment to wrap us up. But would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? Look, it all comes down to this, that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And he's called us to make sure that the world knows this. Some of you, God's calling you to do something you've never done before. He's calling you to give in a way that you've never given before. He might be asking you to go in a way that you've never thought you'd be willing to go before. And as we sing this song, would you be open to hear what the Holy Spirit will speak to you? sing these words and say there is no greater call than giving you my all I lay it all down and as we sing this would you make this your prayer there's no greater call
somebody across the street who needs something from you. Maybe it's a tangible act of kindness. or Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's the good news of Jesus Christ. But help us to be willing to go across the street. Lord, as a church, may we equip those who are serving around the world as we pray and give and go. Lord, for the one whose heart's hardened to this, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd remind them of your grace. And to the one that you're calling today, Lord, would you fill them with courage to know that the great commission comes with the great confidence that you'll never leave us, that you're with us all the way. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Father, would you send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace? this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.